0: You're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com.
1: Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. BLM put out a statement in support of the thuggish communist Cuban regime. Were there double counted ballots in Georgia? The Democrats won a budget bill with $4.1 trillion in new spending altogether are they also trying to ram through an amnesty? You know, that are more coming up here in just a moment. But first, my friends, you have got to hook yourself up with a MyPillow or just all the MyPillow products out there. I know Mike Lindell well. He's a great guy. He's the inventor of MyPillow. And his team has sent me up with MyPillows for my bed, plus the MyPillow mattress topper, the Giza Dream sheets, which are amazing, the MyPillow slippers, which are super comfortable, and the best towels I've ever had, the most soft and absorbent, my pillow, my towels, it's called my towels. You've got to get these products for yourself. I mean, this is what my, my whole house is outfitted with my pillow products now because they're just the best. And plus, listeners like you have been supporting Mike through the cancel culture left's insanity. They've gone after Mike, they've gotten his products taken from stores. What can you, as a conservative, do right now? Um, how about get a great product? from an all-American company built by an American patriot entrepreneur, Mike Lindell, and show the cancel culture left that companies that stand with conservatives and conservative shows like this one deserve your support, and we will not bend the knee. Hook it up today. Go to MyPillow.com. You can get great discounts on all my pillow products there. Click on Radio Listener Specials. You'll see rotational offers of up to 66% off on products like their pillows, mattress topper, and the Giza sheets, but also new products like their slippers, weighted blankets, robes, waffle blankets, and more. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Enter promo code BUCK. Remember, it's promo code BUCK when you go to MyPillow.com. Promo code BUCK for these incredible radio specials. These are the products you need to have at home. I've been telling you that they're commies for a long time and I don't mean the people that run Cuba that's obvious I mean the BLM organizers Black Lives Matter it's a Marxist communist organization it seeks to divide us it seeks to highlight exaggerate and exacerbate that which divides us from each other and it's just too much right we we see this going on and it is driving people like me up the wall i'm just why why does corporate america support blm why do all these different democrats not just bend the knee to but but celebrate blm when their their foundational philosophy is not of making america a fantastic place dare i say making america great it's that they want to tear this place apart replace our foundations with something else and destroy American unity in the process. Black Lives Matter put out this statement about the Cuba situation. So if you want to know where their ideological sympathies really lie, you got to see this. Black Lives Matter condemns the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans and urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo. This cruel and inhumane policy, instituted with the explicit intention of destabilizing the country, and undermining Cubans' right to choose their own government is at the heart of Cuba's current crisis. Since 1962, the United States has forced pain and suffering on the people of Cuba by cutting off food, medicine, and supplies, costing the tiny island nation an estimated $130 billion. Without that money, it is harder for Cuba to acquire medical equipment needed to develop its own COVID-19 vaccines and equipment for food production. Cuba, it keeps going on and on and on, Cuba has historically demonstrated solidarity with oppressed peoples. Now we look to President Biden to end the embargo, something Barack Obama called for in uh, 2016. The embargo is a blatant human rights violation. must come to an end. The Cuban government is shooting, arresting, bludgeoning people in the street for protesting, and Black Lives Matter is putting out a statement blaming the United States government for the problems of Cuba. I mean, at some point, you just have to understand that you're dealing with people who have no principles, no common sense and no decency. And that's certainly the case with the BLM position on Cuba. I mean, this is appalling. People should be outraged that any organization would put something like this out there. But this is what I've been saying all along. We we have a, a Marxist uprising within the Democrat Party that's been going on for a long time. The Marxists are ascendant, true Marxists. And the suffering of the Cuban people is just simply not something that they are are overly, shall we say, concerned about. I, I don't think they're really concerned at all. I, I don't think it really matters to them. Um and, and I'm just I am appalled appalled that so many American institutions went along with this went along with BLM and supported it Um, but this is this is where we are another thing that's coming to mind right now is just how the speech that was given by Biden earlier in this week was completely off the wall crazy and I'm I'm going to tie this all together with the pandemic in a second but here's Senator Mitch McConnell play one
2: Yesterday, the president of the United States delivered a speech that was set in an alternate universe. He called these mainstream state laws, these modest integrity measures that are wildly popular with Americans. Quote, now listen to this, the single, the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. Really, this is our new president who promised to lower the temperature, bring America back together and rebuild a civil society where we can dialogue as fellow citizens? That's the person who's now yelling that mainstream state laws are more dangerous than two world wars, more dangerous than poll tests and Bull Connor and actual Jim Crow segregation, and somehow analogous to the civil war? That's what the president of the United States said yesterday? What utter Nonsense. It would be laugh out loud funny if it wasn't so completely and totally irresponsible.
1: It was absolute bullcrap. I mean, at a crazy level, the Biden speech. But this is how I think it, it ties in at some level to the pandemic. And this is how I, I think it's. We need to understand what we're really dealing with, with these with these Democrats, Uh this pandemic has shown us that there are a lot of Democrats who are, are deeply mentally unstable. And over the course of the four years of the Trump presidency, they were conditioned to believe in whatever great enemy the Democrat apparatus tells them they have. So that, that was something that they were being told, right? That it was Donald Trump, Russia collusion. And so now they have this need to believe that there is a, an existential and imminent threat and the only way to combat it is to do exactly what their Democrat overlords tell them. And that's where this Jim Crow 2.0. Worst challenge since the Civil War comes in and and also after covid. Right. People have gotten so riddled with anxiety because they believe the Democrat Narrative, Which wasn't that the covid, remember, was not the primary threat for Democrats in 2020. Trump's handling of covid was the primary threat as far as Democrats were concerned in 2020. And so now you have people who are really at some level just psychologically and emotionally broken. And I mean, millions and millions of them, they're Democrats, and they need to be told what the next great enemy is. It's not China. It's not some foreign external enemy. It's not people that want to destroy the United States, take us over, enslave us. None of that. No, the real enemy, of course, comes from within. Democrats don't actually have external enemies. External enemies are always just an opportunity for an alliance against Republicans. So every external enemy to the United States, Russia, China, Iran, you name it, is an opportunity It's an opportunity to pick up an ally to bludgeon the primary adversary of the leftist Marxist in America, the right conservatives, people like you and me. And that's how you end up having uh, Joy Reid over at MSNBC, who is just leading the charge on the most crazy stuff you can possibly say about the GOP. Play four.
3: What is happening to the Republican Party?
2: Our our country, our democracy, is currently under siege by one of our two major political parties. One controlled by a twice-impeached, one-term president
3: who's more Jim Jones than George Washington. A party that, thanks to Donald Trump's rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, white grievance, and an unquenchable thirst for absolute power, embraces causes that were once viewed as fringe. Things like... Abortion bounty hunting, now the law in Texas, banning books or really any idea that doesn't render every single white American in history going all the way back to 1619 and right up to today as innocent and benevolent,
2: even as a noose literally hung outside the U.S. Capitol just six months ago. Okay, it's a party okay. that's committed okay, to enough, turning. Enough.
1: I mean, does any- does anyone try to ban books that. Say that uh, or the, the, that say anything about bad about any white person throughout history. I mean, this is this is idiocy, but she's got about a million people watching that show. Maybe more. And they believe it. They think it's true. They think that everybody who doesn't buy into that is a bad person. They think that anybody who's not on board for this is a major threat to the republic. And, and they think in those terms, too. They think in terms of threat. You know what the real threat is these days, folks? She said, oh, the country's under siege. Really? We're under siege from Republicans? What, what, are, what have we been doing lately? I mean, not enough, if you ask me, but what have we been doing? No, the real threat we're under right now, if we're looking at something that's serious, is, well, other than a Marxist authoritarian takeover of our entire society and government by the lunatics that are calling themselves Democrats for now, Other than that, you have inflation, which is a very serious concern. And I know the word inflation, it sounds like what you do for your bicycle tire, right? It's just not that it's not visceral. It's not scary. Inflation is so destructive to the economy. Inflation steals your peace of mind, steals your wages, steals your ability to provide for yourself and your family comfortably. And here's what the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, was saying about it. Play three.
0: First of all, you're right. The incoming inflation data have been higher than expected and hoped for. But they're actually still consistent with with what we've been talking about. The the very high inflation readings are coming from a, a small group of goods and services that are directly tied to the reopening of the economy. It's it's new new cars, used cars, rental cars, hotel rooms. Air, you know, airplane tickets, things that we understand. Yes. How to but
4: With all due respect, Chairman Powell, I mean, it's 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 housing, it's appliances, it's food prices, it's electricity, it's gas. Tell me, to what extent is the Federal Reserve willing to see consumer prices increase before intervention is necessary?
0: We are monitoring the situation very carefully and uh, we are committed to price stability. And if we if we were to see that inflation were remaining high and remaining materially higher above our target for a period of time and that it was threatening to uh, uproot inflation expectations and uh, create a risk of, of, of a longer period of inflation, then we would absolutely change our policy as appropriate.
1: Yeah. They're watching it. Nothing to worry about. They're watching it. Sure. Yeah. The When, when you're talking about just the reopen things and you, and it's gas... Food, shelter, uh, that's pretty important inflation. It's pretty important. Wood, you know, lumber for building homes. Uh, this is what happens when you have a government apparatus that thinks that they can, it can spend whatever it wants to spend. And that is the belief. Even, even crazy Bernie Sanders is running around saying that inflation's a problem. But his, his answer to inflation is to tax you up the wazoo. Play 11.
0: Well, I am concerned about inflation, among many other things. Uh, as I think you know, this bill, uh, this $3.5 trillion, and then there's another $600 billion in a so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill, will pay for itself. It will be paid for in a variety of ways, but significantly by higher taxes uh, on the wealthy and large corporations. So that should not add uh, to the inflation concerns.
1: We're just going to tax them a lot. We're going to take all the taxes and it's not going to be a problem for the working class. The oligarchs will pay for it. This is what you're told. It's not true, but who cares? You know what else you're told? Uh, That making a few percent a year with a financial advisor who's also taking a cut on top of that is necessary. If you want to make any money in the markets, that's just not true. All you need is carnivore trading, okay? Because everyday folks like you are crushing it there. They call them carnivores. They're getting after it. Even when the market's tough, carnivore trading allows you to make great returns. It's an anonymous team of elite strategists. They're legends among Wall Street heavy hitters, and they've gone rogue. For the first time, they're inviting everyday folks just like you and me to see and mirror their explosive trades. Sound too good to be true? Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for two weeks free. Go to GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK for two free weeks. And if you join, you'll get Carnivore's industry-leading promise. You'll generate three times your fees after your annual paid subscription, or you'll get a 100% refund. Go to GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. All right, joining us now is Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator, great to have you back.
4: I am delighted to join you. Thank you.
1: What should we be doing right now, and what should the administration notably be doing about the situation unfolding in Cuba?
4: Well, first of all, the American people need to know, and the administration needs to come out and say, look, this is a fight for freedom. These are people that have been under a dictator for 62 years and they have no food, no water, no electricity, no jobs and they want their freedom and we're going to stand with the people of Cuba and by the way to the Cuban president we're going to continue sanctions, we're going to sanction bad actors and if you start firing shots into these crowds all options will be on the table.
1: Are you surprised at the Biden administration's, shall we say, uh, lack of decisiveness? I mean, is, is there any pressure, you think, on this White House that may get them to move with a little more clarity?
4: I talk to Tennesseans every day, <clears throat> but they are so frustrated with this administration. They thought they were going to have somebody who was a moderate, who was going to stand up to uh, bad actors around the globe. And what they have seen is someone who uh, seems to enjoy putting in place issues and policies that divide, that diminish our freedoms. And there's a lot of buyer's remorse out there So therefore, I am not surprised that they have been so hesitant. You know, look at their policies. They've had a choice time and again to either say America first or America last. And what they do is they make decisions that put America last, but look at it in relation to the Chinese Communist Party. They've made decisions about... Not finding out about the origins of COVID-19, not holding U.S. companies to account that are doing business in China. Companies like Nike and Apple and the NBA, uh, they have had the opportunity to be firm against Iran, but instead, what are they doing? They're saying, well, let's talk about maybe going back into the Iran nuclear deal. And when it comes to Cuba, they are not saying we are against the Cuban Communist Party and this regime, and they need to come out and do that.
1: We're speaking to Senator Marcia Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator, I wanted to get you to, to help, uh, help everyone understand here what's going on with this, this budget bill that the Democrats want to push through, $4.1 trillion in new spending is the figure that we are seeing what what is what's going on here I mean there's there's I have a few questions to ask you about this but first off will they be able with, with only Democrat votes they can get this through is that correct
4: yes they're going to try to push this three and a half trillion dollars of the new unpaid for spending through now they're trying to say well a lot of it has to do with infrastructure but bear in mind the president and a bipartisan group had decided that they could do infrastructure separately. And then this would be $3.5 trillion in new spending on top of all of this. And we've got about $700 billion left over in COVID money that has not been reappropriated. That has not been utilized. That could be utilized, but oh no, they don't want to do that. They want to run up the debt and then put future generations in servitude to the federal government to pay off this debt.
1: So, what would it mean for them to use reconciliation? I mean, that—that's the part of this. I think the public we hear, okay, there's there's what can be blocked with the filibuster, but a budgetary measure can't be blocked by the filibuster, and then a budgetary measure can have reconciliation. I mean, how, how much can they just ram this through without Republicans being able to stop?
4: Well, here's where the dividing line is. They cannot put new federal law in place through a budget reconciliation component. So that is why you're seeing some things have to stand alone and get a vote when it comes to appropriating money to pay for programs that are already on the books, then of course they can do that through budget reconciliation. What we're trying to do is to remind all hardworking taxpayers out there, you need to be weighing in with your members of the House and Senate. You need to let them know this is not okay and that you are not going to be supportive of this. They need to hear from you, because we've got the 2022 midterms coming up, and they are all looking over their shoulder to see who is paying attention.
1: Uh, what What's in, I, I know it's, I'm sure, with $3.5 trillion and then additional infrastructure spending, right? That's the way people are, are reporting on it. Uh, what are some of the key things, Senator Blackburn, that are in this that people should? Because I, I, I see things about a lot of uh, climate change, Green New Deal kind of stuff. I mean, right. what are wh- where is this money supposed to go?
4: Yeah. And here's the thing. They backed out anything to do with roads, bridges, highways, railways, runways and broadband. All of that would be over in the one point two trillion dollar bipartisan bill and I think you've got about eight Republicans and two or three Democrats that are are for that measure working on that that measure so that's 1.2 trillion this 3.5 trillion that they are saying would add to infrastructure you're exactly right it's money for the green New Deal it is money to grow the unions. It is money for uh, green energy. It is money for child care and for elder care. They're now calling all of that infrastructure. But it is not what you think of as roads, bridges, highways, railways, waterways, runways, and broadband.
1: What what would a a reasonable, to your mind and, and taking into account... That we're at over twenty-eight trillion dollars in debt, and there are concerns about inflation. As and as you mentioned, this is really taking money and, and making it so that future generations of Americans will have to deal with the financial financial burden here. Um, but what what is the uh, what would a reasonable bill look like?
4: A reasonable bill would be what we passed out of the Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee, which was surface transportation and it was about 350 billion dollars now that is addressing the needs that people tell us they want to see addressed
1: 350 billion versus 3.5 trillion there's definitely a definitely a gap there senator blackburn we're telling everybody call in tell your congressman tell your senator this is too much, too crazy. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, always appreciate you stopping by with us. Thank you so much.
4: Always good to be with you. Thank you.
1: More political insights coming up here from our friend, Mr. Ryan Gerdusky. He is the author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created a National Populist Revolution, and he is a, a political consultant, man who knows some things about some stuff. Ryan, great to have you.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Um. Okay, so I, we just had... Senator Marsha Blackburn on today talking about the budget bill and what Democrats are trying to do here. I mean, they Republicans said, okay, infrastructure, let's spend three hundred and fifty billion dollars on infrastructure, which sounds like a lot of money to me. But what do I know? Uh, Democrats want the three point five trillion plus. Then I think it's six hundred billion on top of it for additional infrastructure or something. It's a crazy amount of money. That's That's built into it. But tell me about how amnesty comes into this equation.
3: So it was announced just yesterday that uh, Senator Joe Manchin was going to go forward with an amnesty bill that would give amnesty basically to six million plus illegal aliens. They include DACA recipients, farm workers, quote unquote essential service workers that includes any restaurant worker as an essential service worker and anyone who's lost their job from COVID-19. It's going to be a massive behemoth of an amnesty bill snuck inside the budget. Uh, which has never, ever, ever even been attempted before, let alone done. Um, and the budget bill, mind you, is only 51 votes to pass, 50 Democrats plus Kamala Harris. Um, that's what they're looking at. And it will be a massive six million plus person amnesty if they get this through.
1: Wait, But how how, how could that be? Because we, when we spoke to the senator, I said, OK, they can uh, basically the power of the purse, right, whether they're spending a dollar or a trillion dollars. Senate gets to determine that and that and that can be done through the through a simple majority vote or even through the budget reconciliation process when they kind of go in the back end and and address it, whatever that means. Um, how can they do amnesty? Because, you know, amnesty is not we're spending more money on its base, It's cha- it's changing U.S. federal law. Right. So how does that work right.
3: in? So the way that they're doing is they're sitting there and saying that the budget will Um, This budget will increase welfare recipients. So therefore, it will increase the budget of the United States. And therefore, it is a budget bill. That is the reasoning that they're going to give to the parliamentarian. I spoke to people from Senator Tom Cotton's office yesterday about this, that the reason their reasoning is this will increase the budget uh, because it will increase welfare spending because there'll be a lot of new immigrants that will be qualifying for welfare and therefore it is part of the budget bill. There are several hurdles they still have to get through. This is not, like, a done deal yet. Uh, Joe Manchin was a very big hurdle, and him getting on board is not a good sign. They still have to get Kristen Sinema, who is the most independent person probably in the U.S. Senate, and she does basically whatever she wants. Um... Then there is also the Senate parliamentarian who can sit there and say that this is not allowed in the budget bill. Um, The Senate parliamentarian was the one who also ruled that you can't increase minimum wage in the the budget bill. So she may be a very difficult hurdle to sit there and to cross. Um, Third, you have the House Democrats. Uh, The House Democrats can only lose four votes to make to to get this amnesty through. So four House Democrats and vulnerable seats Mm -hmm. sit there and split on this. Um, then that that kills the bill. Uh, and and lastly, I mean, you have public pressure, I think, from um, from uh, moderate Democrats. Mark Kelly, uh, who's up for this election. Uh, you have the election in New Hampshire. There's a handful of senators who will be vulnerable in the upcoming 2022 midterms that may be inclined to maybe flinch on this.
1: So, Ryan, is, is the overall spending something that anyone is anyone really going to care? Does it matter? You know, because I remember when Obama was spending a trillion dollars for um, not the bank bailouts, but for TARP, right? Trump. Oh, no, no, it was the um, stimulus. The I mean, bank. not not TARP, yeah. but stimulus. Um, and everyone was saying, oh, my gosh, that's a lot of money. I mean, now we just spent six trillion last year because of covid. Right. Six trillion was a total federal outlay for 2020. Now we're talking about a four point one trillion or three point five is the number I see. But then there's, I believe, additional Six hundred billion of infrastructure on top of that, whatever. So between three and four trillion dollars of spending, do people care? I mean, does this move the needle?
3: Well, I mean, I think I think people do care. I mean, they do care, but uh, there's a certain population that does generally care about deficit spending and and the debt and blowing up the debt, and that that is the case. However, more people are going to care about inflation. I think this is where this really hurts them. Uh, I think that inflation is where they'll be worried about the spending because we're just literally doling out money, spending huge quantities of it, and inflation is soaring. Uh, I think that that will definitely affect lower-income people. And then there's a handful of people in this country that still believe in Democratic norms, that still believe that you shouldn't sit there and have one party try to rush something through with the bare minimum of uh, votes. Um, and and those, those moderates who cared so much about they they clutched their pearls for Trump every time Trump was, quote-unquote, breaking Democratic norms, uh, that will be that will care about Democrats sitting there and having a complete power grab on their own with just 50 votes in a way that's never done before that will affect this country forever. You know, it's, it's worth saying you, a country can get back from a losing war or from a bad economy or from a bad president. They can never change an amnesty. This is it forever. A 6 million person amnesty that could flip Texas. Uh, and Democrats know it. And that's why they're so hungry to sit there and do this any which way they can, because they think that this will be, you know, the end This this will be the, uh, you know, this will be them in power forever.
1: I mean, the, the parliamentarian, it sounds like, has a tremendous amount of power in this situation, given what Democrats are trying to do, which makes me worry that they're going to use all of the pressure they can, uh, you know, above and below ground, so to speak, to get this person to budge. I mean, am I missing something? Is, is the parliamentarian yeah, the parliamentarian,
3: like the- parliamentarian the par I spoke to, so I spoke to two parliamentarians. So. Uh, one who told me that this is absolutely not allowed in the rules, a former parliamentarian said this is absolutely not, not allowed in the rules. A second one who is, uh, who is a counsel of the parliamentarian who said it's a 50-50 chance because there is some precedent in a 2005 budget bill about something small on immigration. It wasn't anything close to this. Um, the current uh, uh, parliamentarian is pretty down the line and she's pretty, she's pretty, uh she she doesn't really waver a lot. She was the one who, who made sure Democrats couldn't pass a minimum wage hike in the last budget. She said that that's not allowed and if a minimum wage hike doesn't affect spending, I have a very hard time seeing how amnesty does.
1: So you think Unlikely, but not impossible. And Democrats... It's
3: not, it's, listen, it's not impossible. There's four major hurdles to sit there and through. If you live in Arizona, you should call uh, uh, Kristen and and Mark Kelly. Uh, if you live in any swing district in the House, you need four House Democrats to have at least enough concern... Not to want an amnesty in this bill, and you know, in this way. And the most deceiving part about about uh, Joe Manchin is that he's the one who's getting so much praise. I'm going to save the filibuster, and I believe in the Senate. But this is basically a way to get rid of the filibuster without getting rid of the filibuster.
1: Yeah, this is he. He wants the praise of being the maverick who supports the Senate institution of the filibuster while giving the Democrat hard left exactly and honestly, just the Democrat Party generally exactly what they want. Without the votes that it otherwise need to do it, that's very. Is is there anything else that people should be aware of that is involved in this budget process that you know they're they're basically trying to hide or hoping no one pays attention to? Oh, there's, no,
3: there's plenty. Of, there's Green New Deal parts of this budget. There's going to be uh, efforts to expand Medicaid to have k-12 through 12, uh, not k-12 through 12, uh, pre-k uh universal pre-k in this budget they're going to try to shove every single democratic wish list in this budget uh basically except for hr1 is they, they've already said that that's not allowed in the budget the, the the voting bill but everything else in this budget will be shoved in there you know come hell or high water and it's just and, and mansion's not going to go along with many parts of it and many other moderate democrats are not going to go along with other large parts of it uh it's a, it's a lot of messaging in this bill but they will find out whatever they can get and whatever they can push through uh, and, and, and keep with the absolute bare minimum. I mean, remember, it's only four House Democrats, either of the far left or of the moderates, who have to sway to uh, to, to sit there and break from this.
1: Why, why do you think uh, we're speaking to Ryan Gurdusky, author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created a National Populist Revolution? Ryan, why do you think we got so much from the Democrats this week about uh Jim Crow 2.0, Texas voting rights law, uh, the people leaving to go to D.C., the De- Texas state uh, statehouse Democrats. Is this just all is, is it just all theatrics to raise money or is there is there a bigger strategy involved? It's it because felt like- they
3: have to. There's an old saying. If God didn't exist, we'd have to create him. Donald Trump doesn't exist in the public eye, so They have to create the next race baiting, scaring of minorities and 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 cabernet antifa wine moms in the suburbs so that has the first it was marjorie taylor green then it was matt gates now it's uh now it's texas republicans trying to get you know voter id laws it was georgia republicans trying to get voter id laws there has to always be a case where republicans are five seconds away from reinstituting slavery in their minds so that's kind of just why it, it it's literally meaningless i mean it's a small state law in one state that that has minimal changes, really. When you think of it, um, this is not this is not the uh, this is not the be all end all changing of the bill. So, uh, uh, of, the, of the election law. So, I, I just think that it's smoke and mirrors to raise money and keep anxieties going for to keep Democrats engaged.
1: And how, how long do you think we'll, we're going to have to wait to see what actually happens with this with this budget bill? By the way, I meant
3: to. We have a, we have some time. I mean, it's not going to be done. They don't have a text yet. So first, they have to institute the text, and then the parliamentarian will have to waive what parts of the text are not are not allowed to be in the budget so that has to happen first and they don't have a text to the budget yet if they do it very sloppily uh, there'll be more that she can sit there and peel so I think it will be some time so if you have time and you live in West Virginia or Arizona call your senators or if you live in swing house seats call your congressman and tell them don't don't have an amnesty through the budget
1: meaning we got a couple weeks here
3: yes you have a couple weeks for sure
1: and, uh, you know, Ryan, I also wanted to because I know you've been following the election stuff very closely, uh, the, the 2020 election stuff. I'm, I'm hearing from people who have all, who have been straight shooters. You know, I'm not hearing from the uh, uh, what, what's what was his name? Uh, who was the guy who was in Richard Jewell, that lawyer? You know, what I'm talking about that. Guy. Oh,
3: oh Lynn Wood.
1: Yeah. I'm not talking like Lynn Wood stuff. I'm hearing from people that are serious people that some funky stuff happened in Georgia with ballots and that they they have proof. It's real. And, you know, maybe it was accidental. Maybe it wasn't systematic because there were some double counts for Trump as well as double counts for Biden. But have you seen any of this? Does does this wash?
3: I have heard I went to Georgia and I I went there for the runoffs. And I have to tell you, it was the biggest disaster I've ever seen before in my entire life. From election board to the state Republican Party. It was like the first 10 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. There was no safe place to rest your eyes. I would not doubt if there were some problems going on in, in Georgia. I, it would not shock me in the slightest. Um, I don't have any proof of it. I don't have any evidence that all I'm saying is I would not be shocked. I'm hearing the same thing in Arizona. Um, so, I mean, wait and see. I doubt you know, Trump is going to be reinstated from any, or anything like that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were some overcounts or some undercounts or something was going
1: wrong. Yeah, because there's there's like a ferocity from the Democrats about even the most straightforward recount or, or checking of what happened in these plays. I mean, they lose their minds at the very notion of like looking at what went down.
3: Right. And I mean, the bigger problem in Georgia is they broke. I mean, not those Democrats, was Republicans Let to do it. They broke the state election law in order to hold this election. The state election law says if you want to vote an absentee ballot, there has to be two witnesses, one official Democrat, one official Republican. And only you can hand in your own ballot. That's the state law. It was like that before 2020. And the secretary of state, Raffensperger, waived all of those laws. He allowed every county to put in as many drop boxes as they wanted to. Of course, Democratic counties wanted a drop box as often as there was a mailbox. And uh, and so the state law was completely altered for the sake of of this election. And that gave Democrats a huge, huge, huge advantage. But I don't know about the double counting. So I guess we'll wait and see about that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised what comes out of Atlanta and Savannah, though.
1: Have they figured out, uh, Ryan, last one for you, but but have they figured out the Republicans that you have to actually challenge this stuff and get it squared away before the election you think or are they more serious about it yeah, t-
3: you know i think before the election i think there's there was a one part arrogancy where you know I would, a lot of the problem with a lot of southern states is their republican parties believe they can never lose uh outside of florida and that's why they have a competent republican party in florida because they actually try um georgia they they don't and most other southern states they do not um so i i Yes, I think that I think now more than ever because election integrity is probably one of the top three issues, or definitely the one of the top three issues for Republican voters. They're, that's why they're making all these mass reforms, and now they're going to sit there and probably do something about it. Listen, Florida went from the biggest joke in the country in 2000 to the most efficient state with counting ballots in 20 years. I think all these other states can get their act together a lot faster and should.
1: Ryan Gerdusk, everybody, Ryan, always appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. I got to tell you, at least one person really liked. Joe Biden's reckless, dishonest, divisive, destructive speech. Somebody with expertise. I mean, true world-class expertise in just those things. Dividing, destroying, lying. Play clip six.
2: And I told the president this after the speech, I think he made one of uh, a a monumental speech for a president to stand there uh, in the shadows of where they signed the Declaration of Independence and attack Jim Crow. 21st century was something that uh, i was not uh expecting uh and i also thought the fact that he did not in any way shape or form duck the racial aspect of what we're seeing in terms of the uh pushback by many states and coming with new restrictions
1: what else do you need to know other than al sharpton like the speech (laughs) i think that pretty much tells you Everything you need to know about what Biden said earlier this week. All right, well, thanks for being here today with me. Remember, subscribe if you're not already. Some of you might just listen as a one-off. Subscribe to the Buck Sexton podcast on the iHeartRadio app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, We are doing this show every day. Uh, Tomorrow, producer Mark and I are going to be doing some roll call and chatting about the weekend, so we'll have some fun there and... Please also, if you haven't already, go on Apple Podcasts and give this uh, podcast five stars and a review, hopefully, where you say nice things. All right, excited to be back with you tomorrow. Talk to you then, team. Shields high.